Hard first, easy later. Bad bosses, horrible bosses, managers, micromanagers, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of terms for them. Um, I, I, I see this a lot. I've, I've had people ask me about this stuff. And I want to say on blind specifically, I mean, I don't know if anybody uses that app. I love that app, but I always, I mean, I want to say the last like year or two I've been using blind. I don't really stay on it like too much, but I'd say I'm not really a social, social media person, but if, if there's one social app that I use the most, it's, it's definitely blind. <laughs> um, you know, I'm totally addicted to, uh, being able to just reach out and touch some of the smarter engineers and high performers. But, uh, you know, you see a lot of surveys, you get, you get to see inside politics, inside companies and talk to people in decision-making, you know, positions and kind of see behind the curtains of what's happening with like the people who are doing the work at a lot of these really impactful companies. And even at Google and Facebook and, you know, any new startup tech company, whatever, um, that everybody's talking about is, you know, the best place to work or whatever. Um, I think every year it's either Google or somebody else wins some award for best workplace 2020 or best workplace 2016, whatever year it is and, or happiest workers or whatever metric it is. And, and I think obviously those are like the averages or it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit biased towards the test case, but um, what I think is interesting is it's so many times, I want to say it's like 100% of the time, at least the people that I know personally, um, now not 100% of them I've worked with. Some of them I know them, but I haven't worked with them, so I can't speak to if they're a high performer or not, but I would say that when somebody comes to me and complains about their manager or their boss or whatever, um, being, you know, bad or treating them bad or, or just, just anything that they're doing that they don't like, um, it is, <laughs> and, and, and I'll always just immediately suggest, well, just leave, just leave. Like, don't think about it. Just leave. <laughs> like if you don't like it, leave. <laughs> and, and I always hear people where they're like, Oh, well, you know, I don't, uh, I can't do that. Or, uh, I don't know where I would go or, you know, they have, they've got a thousand different excuses. Um, and, and it's like, they've convinced themselves that they can't go anywhere else. And interestingly enough though, is, I mean, I think this is probably me being a little bit biased because of my own you know, history and my own experience. Um, I've been pretty lucky to not really have bad bosses or, or just not have a lot of bosses in general. <laughs> um, you know, I did contract work for like 10 plus years or whatever. So I didn't really ever have a boss, but I have had bosses and I have had bad bosses. Um, now the bad bosses, uh, I've never worked for them for very long. Uh, and not, um, what do you call it? Uh, it's one of those things where you can have a boss that's bad at whatever, uh, their job, managing people, leading people, whatever. 
Um, but it, it, do, it should never, first of all, it should never impact your performance. Um, at least for me, when I'm having friction with somebody, you know, who's higher in the chain or whatever, um, I use it as fuel to just do more, just be better, have more of an impact on the org that I'm working on. Um, you know, I, I don't let that get me down. Uh, if anything, I, I, I start raising the bar because of that, you know, I'm going to show them, you know, and, but I'm never like, like as soon as I get to the point where I say, okay, I don't think I want to work with this person. I'm immediately gone. Okay. And what I mean by that is I'm already flipping the switch as far as I'm taking phone calls. And the reality is <laughs> that, and and I feel like some people know this, but, but others don't know this is that when you're a high performer, you're in demand. And especially right now with the market, like I, I, I want to say not a single day goes by that. I don't get a phone call from a recruiter or a company or an email or they're adding me on some social media or whatever. I mean, I had fucking recruiters. I swear to God, I had like three recruiters in the last month hit me on Instagram. It's like, they're, they're like learning. <laughs> they're like, like, cause LinkedIn is so played out. Like I'll never respond. Uh, but I, I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, I had one of them that like tricked me and I totally thought, uh, that they were, uh, what do you call it? Um, that they were into whatever the content was that I was uh, talking about or something and posting. And then they hit me with like, Hey, I've got this role that would be great for you. <laughs> and I was like, are you a fucking recruiter? You know? So anyways, um, yeah. So and the same thing when they call, um, you know, sometimes they, they like switch up their pitch where you don't even know their recruiter until you're like, you know, a minute or two into the conversation. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, okay. That's what's going on here. So that aside, what I mean by that is that if you are a leader or in a, in any kind of leadership position, um, then you have to think of that as your whole team is that way. And it's probably not the reality, you know, it's probably not the reality that everybody in your team has the freedom or, or the ability to just jump ship whenever they want and land with their, on their feet, you know, um, now the reality for me though is, you know, I have, um, you know, been kind of fortunate to have some relationships with people and do well in the past that, I mean, I have, I think there's like this one company that, um, it's such a great company and I would have worked there so many times, but it's just, it's never really been the right fit, but, uh, but they, they never take no for an answer. And it's like an open offer kind of thing. And, and so there's a couple different things like that. But my point with that, I'm not trying to be like, oh, you know, I'm, 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 uh, you know, popular or some shit like that with companies. My point with that is that when you do your job well, okay. And, and you help companies succeed and you expand your, your, your skill set and you grow and you're proactive in your career, 
you're going to get rewarded and you get rewarded by options. That's what you get in as being a high performer. You get the option to do whatever the fuck you want to do. You get to go where you want to go. You get to work with the people you want to work with and you get to work on the things that you want to work on. And that's the reality. So when somebody comes to me and they're like, Oh, I don't like my manager or I don't like my boss or, or his boss or my boss's boss or whatever. And it's, and it's bothering me and they bitch about it every day. And it's like, it's really affecting them, you know? Cause I mean, nobody's going to make everybody happy. Nobody's a hundred percent on the same page. You know, um, it's, it's ridiculous to think that your boss is going to make you happy. That's ridiculous. Okay. But I mean, like if you have a boss that is proactively micromanaging, uh, just, just being a, uh, you know, impeding your performance, really fucking with the team, uh, just, just being a low performing boss kind of person, uh, who's being a manager and not a leader, um, which they're, they're pretty rare cause they generally get pushed out, you know, eventually. So, but, but it does happen that they get into those positions. And a lot of times what happens is they're good at their job, but then when they get put in that leadership position, they can't handle it. So they start micromanaging everybody on their team. And then eventually the whole team's performance goes down and then they get pushed out of the org. So, so that you don't see them there for a long time, but you will see this happen um, because they could have been a high performer at some point in their life. And then they got to a specific peak and then they just peaked, you know, like those kids in high school where they, they peak where their height or whatever, you know, it's like old, an old stereotype, um, where they're like, Oh, you peaked in high school. You know, it's an intelligence thing or a physical thing. It could be a thousand different things, but that happens a lot. And it's really just means they gave up, you know, they, they were trying, they were hungry and then they got to a specific role or an org or something. And they were like, eh, I don't have to do anything else. And they just gave up. So when you get into a situation where you're reporting to somebody like that, uh, just leave. <laughs> I mean, you can say something if you want, but I mean, the reality is, and and I say this, I've never had any kind of retaliation from an org that I'm working for, but I, I mean, I've heard some people have had issues. Um, I've just never witnessed it and I've just never been afraid of it, I guess. But, uh, but I am smart about it. If I know that I want to leave, I'm not going to just be like, Hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> Screw it. No, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I sign with another company and it's, it's all finalized. And then I line my, my schedule so that the day that I'm, you know, uh, you know, ending one employment, I'm starting the next deployment, um, and that there's no gaps or anything like that. Um, and I think, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, as long as it's not, you're not uh, actively hurting the company, even though you know you're leaving. That's what a low performer would do. Um, you know, it's better to, to to perform even better up until the last day when you're leaving. But but anyways, regardless of that, uh, the main thing I wanted to call out with this was that it's it's kind of like the victim's mentality too, where uh, people use it as kind of an excuse, where it's like oh, well, I, you know, I, I just can't stand working for this person. And, and then they, they just start to do things and, and maybe, maybe other people don't see it, but they start to underperform by like a large margin. Everything is optics driven just to keep up appearances. Um, you know, the surface, the, the appearance of productivity or whatever. 
Um, and it's sad. And the other thing too, is that the even worst case scenario is if you're in that, you know, optics driven mindset after that, then, and you've kind of given up, you've checked out of that role because you're so frustrated with whoever your report is. Uh, (laughs) the worst case is when you're not leaving. So you either are too afraid to leave, uh, you, you're not confident in your skills or whatever, or, uh, you're just too complacent, lazy, whatever, low performer. And, and so you're like, oh, well, I can't go anywhere. Um, but I'm not happy with this boss. So I'm just going to complain, which is just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I don't know why people get this, this, this thing where they think they can't leave. Um, it's, it's weird. Cause even if you're a low performer, okay. Uh, you're still there. You haven't been fired, which means if you try, you know, everybody can do every job. It's just a matter of the distance between where you're at now and where you need to be to be able to do that job. And so even if you're a low performer, you can, if you look and you call enough companies and you find enough openings, you will find somebody who's going to take a chance on you. Even if you're not the best, you know, at whatever the candidate criteria is that they have, um, if you really wanted to, and if you really put the effort in, you will find an opportunity. The other thing too, is that, um, I feel like that is the difference between high performers and low performers. And, and it's so black and white. It's so almost universal. And this is, this is all my opinion based off of what I've seen, people I know, things I've seen, it's, it's gotta be like 99% of the people that I have seen or interacted with or know personally that have had this issue where they don't like their boss or they're having friction with their boss. They're always low performers. They're always underperforming. They're always scared to leave the org. They're always, uh, uh, not confident with their skills. They don't think it's marketable. They think it only applies to one or two companies. That's, that's always the funny one that I hear is like, well, you know, my job is so complicated and it's, you know, there's not a lot of companies that do it. And so I can't just go out and get a job at the next company. Cause there's only like three companies in the world that do this That's bullshit. That's total bullshit. <laughs> okay. Anything you're doing, there's at least a thousand companies that are doing the same thing. Your role is not special. Everything you do is not special. There are a million people. Like, think about that for a minute. There are at least a million people that do whatever it is that you think you do that's so different and unique or whatever. I mean, there's hundreds of millions uh, of, of engineers, I believe, or, or, or there's some crazy number, like a hundred million could even be more than that. I don't know. Um, but I, I do know it is, it is a crazy high number. And so when you think about that and then start thinking about, well, whatever I'm doing, um, I mean, it, <laughs> cause I think, I think in my stack alone, um, in my, in my primary stack, I think there's like 3 million developers or something like that. Uh, so, I mean, that's, you're competing with at least 3 million people if not 10 million, because you're, you're probably competing with like 3 million 
that are active and like professional level or whatever. And then you have your entrepreneurial and your, your, your trainers and everything else, which is probably like 50 to 70%, you know, uh, I don't know the numbers, but my guess would be that like out of every 10 engineers that, uh, are going through the training or college or whatever it is that they're doing, uh, for every 10 of them that come out of boot camps and college and whatever, uh, half of them probably, switch or give up after like a year or so. Um, and then the rest of them kind of get scattered or maybe switch into different roles or different, different verticals. Um, but even then, so you think about 3 million is already in 3 million is like the, the ones who kind of weathered the storm and they're still in it. Um, so then you have to assume that, that, that they're like in the 20, 30% or whatever. And I'm just making up numbers here, but if they're in the 20, 30% that are still doing whatever that vertical is, then you really have 70% in training still. So if there's 3 million developers now doing my stack, there's really 10 million doing the stack right now. And only three, 30% of them are actually out there. Um, what do you call it? Uh, doing it, or you have potentially, uh, 7 million that are coming. So they may, the 7 million may not be doing the stack right now, but they're doing the things that lead to the stack. Does that make sense? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's how I look at it. Anyways, it's kind of like the mentality of, uh, if you think you're on top, you're really not because there's somebody right behind you that's doing one less push up, or they're doing one less line of code. They're doing one less hour. And if you stop or you slow down, they're going to catch up to you. And so that's why when people are like, Oh, my job is so unique and I'm so special and blah, 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 or whatever. You're full of shit. Okay. You, you obviously don't understand the scope of the world and how big the world is. Um, so, so my, my, my whole point with that though, is that there is no excuse to not be able to leave the org. If you're not happy with your boss, just leave. There's literally no argument for staying. Okay. There just isn't you, you can be unhappy to some degree, but you have to have a threshold. You have to decide, okay, anything past this point is not worth it. It's not worth my time. It's not worth the money I'm getting. It's not worth whatever. Um, you know, the, cause, cause obviously, <laughs> especially, you know, the, the shittiest thing that I have had to go through is when you're at an org or in a team that you actually like and you have no real reason to leave. Like it's, everything's fine. Um, you know, there's not really friction with anybody. I mean, you know, work is going great, whatever. And the only real reason you leave is for opportunity, you know, skill, career, money, whatever. Uh, but that's the nature of the business is that you have, you have to progress. So, those are harder decisions because you have to be really critical about, wait, am I actually picking a better opportunity for myself? Um, but that's, that's a personal thing. You have to decide what you want. So what I mean by that is maybe you're in an org where everything's fine, but it's not great. It's not challenging. So it's, it depends on where your bar is. Do you just want to be happy? Do you just, do you just want your boss to be nice to you and not be mean to you or, or critical of you? Uh, where do you draw that line? Is it, I mean, obviously I look at bad bosses as like, 
people who micromanage and, you know, they're, they're, uh, what do you call it? Very inconsistent, uh, not good with, uh, planning. Um, they have a lot of issues with, uh, like playing the blame game and, you know, they, they're, they're consumed with their own status and their own position and bullshit like that. Those people, they don't move anywhere. They never go up. Don't worry about those people. The people who are worried about staying where they're at and keeping their job, they're not even thinking about moving up. They're only thinking about their own role. Those are really, really low performers. Okay. When you find out that your boss is one of those people, even if you don't have any friction with them, you should probably immediately run, <laughs> get out of that team because that is a bad boss. Okay. When they've set their sights to stay exactly where they're at right now, that's a scary thing. You should just get away from those people because they're going to rub off on you. <laughs> and that's a scary thing. Um, and I've seen that and, and you, you just have to run, just, just open that door and just run. Well, and back to, back to my original point is there really is no reason to, to not leave. Um, even if you have been underperforming and you know that if you got another opportunity at another org, uh, you would be an underperformer. Even then you should still leave. Okay. If anything, it's going to make you better at your job. If you're an underperformer, you're going to have to start studying and figuring out what the interview process is like, uh, at these other companies, you're going to standardize yourself and your skill set to the rest of the market. And that's a good thing. It's like you're taking a refresher course. So even if you do all these, these interviews and everything else, even if you do a hundred interviews to get one offer, okay. If you are just that unmarketable, okay, then you should still do it. Even if you only have a 1% offer rate, you should be doing it. Okay. There's just no excuse because you will get something, <laughs> especially nowadays. I mean, I've, I've seen people hire people that they don't know what the fuck they're doing. I mean, and people squeak by all the time. Just don't lie. I mean, my, my whole criteria when I hire people is ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous. I always tell people this at every org that I've been at and they're always like, wow. Okay. I mean, I think, I think sometimes people believe it or not more nowadays, People don't really question it that much, but when I would first say it the first couple times, they'd be like, oh, that's uh, I feel like that's a low bar because this was my bar. Okay. I said, as long as they don't lie and they just tell the truth, that's all they have to do in the interview. And I will sign off on them every time. <laughs> and everybody's always like, what? I don't understand. Like, how can you not find somebody who won't lie in an interview? Like, that's like, you're going to, you're just going to hire too many people. You'd be surprised. I've literally like almost never had anyone pass that criteria. It's that ridiculous. Everyone lies and it's just the degree to which they want to lie. So, and I know other engineers in leadership positions that have the same criteria as me because that's where I got it from because I had people who hired me and they told me that's what I based my criteria on. And it's rubbed off on me. And ever since then, when you look through that lens, it is so different than when you're trying to say, okay, uh, well, you know, so-and-so they did okay on our practical assessment or whatever. Um, but when we brought them in for the interview, um, they made up a bunch of weird stories about their previous 
organization and we know it's not true, you know, but they seem to be pretty good at this other stuff. (laughs) It's like, I mean, and the reason I say this is because if you're working on a project and I'll just paint you a scenario and a scenario that I have been on and been there, done that, seen it and fucking hated it. Okay. You're on a team of people and you are planning a project. Okay. The org is dependent on it. You got all this stuff coming from business and they're like, Hey, execute on this project. And you know that there's a specific set of roles that you need and you need people who are somewhat proficient, extremely proficient, whatever, different levels of expertise in those verticals. And somebody says, Oh, I can do that. I can take care of that role. (laughs) I'm good with that. I can handle that. I'm familiar with that. I've worked with that API. You know, I've used that. You are going to believe them because they're on your team. Okay. And you're going to base decisions on what they say. So if you have somebody on your team who's just making shit up and they tell you, Oh yeah, I'm good with that. I've used that before. And they're lying. You could waste so much time, so much time. And then more often than not, what's going to end up happening is it's not like they're going to get fired. You're going to end up having to train them or give them extra bandwidth or help them. And you're going to pick up another role. So, and everybody should be learning more and expanding and nobody should be like an expert before you put them in a project for one role or something like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you've never used a library or a framework, you should feel comfortable telling everyone in your team, I have never used it. Even if it's embarrassing because everyone uses it, you should just say, I don't know anything about that. And if you get somebody on your team who lies about something like that, because they don't want to tell everybody they don't know it, uh, that's a scary thing. I mean, it's not good. So, so as ridiculous as that sounds, that's always been my criteria for hiring people. So taking that, (laughs) there's bound to be several people like me outside of engineering. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking for a job outside of engineering, you'll probably run into somebody like me who, if you're just going to the interview and you're honest, okay, then they're going to hire you. I mean, that's, that's that when you think about it from that perspective, then you think, okay, there's a chance that even if I don't know anything and I get everything wrong, but I'm honest about everything, maybe they'll give me a chance because you don't know what's going on. I've been at orgs where when we're hiring people, (laughs) I'm told by my boss, Hey, whoever we pick up, uh, you need to be looking at them as our 18 month, uh, talent. Um, you know, we want to train them up over the next eight to 10 months and then we want them to be, you know, at a specific mark in 18 months or whatever. Uh, this is a long-term investment kind of role. Um, that is not an uncommon thing where people are told, hey, we want to bring in some people, groom them up, so we're not necessarily raising the bar. And what that tells you is two things are more important than skill. When you're told, hey, these are long-term hires, then you're looking at Uh, You're looking more at personality culture fit and you're also looking at um, or you're looking at culture fit, but you're also looking at like personality problem solving, um, you know, kind of their, their mindset, how they approach things. uh, How do they handle things? Because the other thing that you have to look at is, and this is what I love doing. I kind of call it like chaos interviewing or whatever, but where I will 
I'll ask somebody a question and I'm trying to think if I can get an example. Um, I'll ask them like, what, what have you used for, for state management or what have you used for uh, routing on Android or something? And as soon as they start to answer the question, uh, I will stop them in the middle and, I, and, and as soon as they answer something, because I base everything off what they tell me they know. So as soon as they tell me, well, I would use this library and this library, then I'll stop and be like, okay, what is that library that you just mentioned? What does it do? Um, and it's such a basic thing, but you would be surprised at how many people, <laughs> okay, will use things that they don't even know what they are, or they just heard something. They heard that people use libraries to do something and they don't know what they do. Okay. Because it wouldn't be hard to talk to somebody or read an article that explains how to build something. And it, it, it says, Hey, you're going to use these libraries in this project, uh, especially with the, with the more popular verticals. Uh, it's pretty easy to figure out what everybody's using. Um, but it's very hard to understand how it all fits together. And so that's your job when you're interviewing somebody is find out, do they understand somewhat of the big picture? And if they do, how much of it do they understand? And are they going to be honest about how much of it they understand? Okay. So I give kind of a, a, what do you call it? Like a varying look where I will ask very high level questions. And then as soon as they mention anything, even close to like a mid to low level, then I ask them to basically go extremely deep on it. But I don't tell them you have to answer this. Like I'm not giving them a requirement. They can easily just say, I don't know. And half the time when I do that, it's something that, um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know right off the top of their head. And these aren't questions. Um, you can't prepare them. You just have to be deep yourself. Obviously, if you're hiring somebody for a role, you should be deeper on that role than the person you're hiring, or you should try to be deeper. Uh, it'd be, it'd be I mean, obviously it'd be awesome if you can hire people that were always deeper than you in, in your own role. Um, but, but at least at the bare minimum, you should try to be fairly deep on whatever it is that you're hiring for. So that way, when somebody mentions something, you should be able to always go deeper on everything they bring up, but you should pick a, pick one that you have pretty deep knowledge about and just ask them. And, and that's, that's kind of been always my, I want to say, uh, I usually, I give like maybe two questions, two deep questions. And if they, uh, either guess at them or lie about them or whatever, um, I don't give any ind indication that they're wrong. And I just say, Oh, okay, cool. Just wondering. I was just wondering. And then we just move on. Uh, but then at that point I've usually shut down. I don't really follow up with any more questions. I let the rest of the team, you know, chime in and ask their own questions. But at that point I'm already, I'm out, you know, I've given, I've given up. Um, yeah. And, uh, so anyways, I, I, I know that might be, I don't know that can, that can be perceived as many different ways, but I think the reality is you have to come up with your own criteria of the type of people that you want to work with and you need to kind of stick with that. And so for me, that's been my criteria, but if you're looking for, um, you know, a change of your organization and you're not happy with your boss, 
don't use anything as an excuse. Okay. Because like I just told you, I would hire people who weren't necessarily very good at whatever it is that the work is that they're supposed to do. And the reason, the part of the reason, or probably the primary reason for that is because I believe everyone could do every job and I haven't had any problems because I feel like everybody I've hired uh, at every org I've been at has been, you know, pretty, pretty decent performer. I don't know that they're all high performers, but I would say that they've all exceeded expectations. They've, they've all set the standard as far as they've been better at whatever the incumbents were that they were replacing or their peers. Um, or at least I've perceived them that way. And I, I'm, I'm going to continue to look at them as they were better performers than everyone else that I didn't hire, <laughs> but, but I'm completely biased. It's like, it's like having kids. I want to say, even though I've never had kids, it's how I think people who have kids look at them. They can do no wrong. You know, they're just, they're perfect. They're perfect candidates. You are the one who put the stamp on them. They can do no wrong. So <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, totally biased. Uh, but my point though, is that you, you have no reason, um, to not think that you're not going to have the similar situation where if you are a good culture fit or a good personality fit and you are able to, um, you know, fit somebody's criteria, then even if you were a low performer, previously and you've shifted your mindset and you've become proactive and you've kind of woke up and you shook yourself out of whatever sleep or whatever it was that you were in hibernating at that org with that shitty fucking boss. And you're like, okay, now it's time to go. I gotta, I gotta get out of this job. Like I gotta, I gotta shake it up. And I think there's like a, what is it, a three year rule? I've heard uh, people talk about this where, you know, every three years you should be shaking it up, you know? So if you're, I've, I've seen some of you where they, they've, they're at orgs for years and I think you can stay at the same org for years, but every three years <laughs> at the max, three years is a long time, first of all, okay? But every three years or so, shake it up, get a different role, switch teams, whatever. Uh, for me, I like to do it every six months to a year. Um, you know, I feel like you need to be working on something fundamentally different every six months, okay? You need to be completely leveling up every six months. I mean, you need to be, I mean, it, it needs to be a generational shift essentially. Like you need to be, even if you're in the same vertical, cause I've been in the same vertical for I don't know, a couple of years now, but I have completely shifted my skill set. You know, I've, I have gone deep in so many different verticals, like micro verticals within this one vertical. And, and that is the reality of where we're moving. I think as a marketplace where everything that is perceived as a vertical today is going to be a horizontal tomorrow. Okay. So you need to find out what are these other micro verticals inside of whatever vertical it is you think you're in and go deep on them. Okay. Because in six months, you're going to be that guy who knows a little bit about everything, even though you thought you knew a lot about one thing today. So think about that because <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, you, th you see things like, uh, what is it? Um, I can't even think of an example right now off the top of my head, but my point would be like, if you were like, let's, let's say you made chairs. Okay. And, and then in six months, uh, you start making chairs that are, uh, specific for, you know, a specific style 
or it's only made out of steel. That's a pretty good, pretty good example. So you stop making things out of wood and you stop making things out of plastic because you've optimized for metal. You found a specific steel uh, alloy that you like that you're proficient in and you go really deep in it. You learn how to craft with that one material. Um, if you didn't do that by con contrast and you're that guy who's still making whatever chair, you know, just kind of winging it like you were six months before, you're going to start getting left behind by the marketplace because the marketplace doesn't wait for that. Okay. It's moving so fast. You need, you need to go really deep on one thing. So if you're underneath the boss and you're not happy, you need to start performing well <laughs> in the role that you're in right now. Start looking for another job. Okay. And then there's no reason to communicate that you're unhappy about the role. If you're feeling un or if you're feeling like, if, I guess if any, obviously if somebody's hurting you or doing something wrong or, or legal or, or emotionally or anything like that, you should go to HR and everything else and, you know, do the standard whatever thingies that regular people do. I'm not saying don't do that. What I am saying though, is that if you're just not happy because you have friction, some just standard friction, um, but you're, you're not feeling confident in, you know, raising an issue about it because you don't want to not have a job or you think you'll get fired or whatever, then go find another job. Okay. And then as soon as you have that new job secure, you get the offer, everything's signed. Then you go and raise an issue or you just go in and quit. Okay. But, but you should be able to do that with the knowledge that you can leave. Okay. I just feel like it, it just, it's not like it hurts, but it's like, it's like when you hear people talk about something that you just don't believe is the truth. And that's what it feels like when people tell me, Oh, well I can't, I can't leave. You know, I, I just have to No, I, I, they, they always tell me, well, I don't want to know. Like, I, I know I could just leave. I don't want to know that from you. I want to know how do I work with them? And it's like, no, 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 that's, I'm not here to tell you that that's not how I live my life. So how can I tell you how to do that? I'm not going to compromise. You know, I get to, I get to work with the people that I want to work with, uh, and do the work that I want to do. So I don't know about that other life that other people live where they go through life working for people they fucking hate. I don't know how to do that. Okay. So I can't talk to that, but yeah. So it's, it's an, I guess it's like somewhat frustration or something that I just, I want other people to know <laughs> that you can just leave. Like, like you really can, I promise you no matter how hard you think it'll be, it's not that hard. And even if it is fucking do it, like just get over it and do it. So anyways, I'm, I'm just going in circles at this point. Uh, but, but think about that, you know, if you're, and I feel like it will make you happy because it, because I say that from experience, if you're not happy in your role or if you are happy, okay, that's, this is probably more common. If you're okay, if everything's okay, and then you see the potential out there for a better opportunity. Don't say no to it. Go take that opportunity. But number one, if you're having issues with your boss, you're having friction and it's, and it's affecting your work or it's affecting your career in any way. And you're letting it get to you and you're becoming a low performer. Leave the org, just leave the org. Just keep looking, keep looking and you will find another opportunity. So if you have to keep working there for a month, two months, three months, four months, six months, whatever, 
You better be studying every night, looking up whatever you need to do, do interviews. The best thing you can do is do interviews to be, first of all, doing interviews is going to get you aligned with the market because every interview you go on, you're going to get to know, okay, this is what people are looking for. They're asking me these one questions. So maybe I should start learning what these things are, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty obvious stuff. So anyways, I'll, I'll end it there, but.